Okay, so today's daf is Memdalad in Pesachim. We are on Mem Gibel Amud Bet. We are about five lines from the bottom of the Amud, where we left off yesterday talking about this issue of Rabbi Eliezer. Where does he learn the uh, different concepts? The concept that uh, any kind of chametz is prohibited. It doesn't matter how it became chametz. The idea of kol, what does kol come to include, and so on. It doesn't come to include, according to him, a. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't include for karet the uh, the mixture, but it includes it for uh, but machmetz it includes it for the prohibition, and uh, and that was what we we were discussing yesterday the different opinions about chametz in different forms. Now it's going to go off on a little bit of a a uh, little bit of a side point, but nazir. In general, we have a principle, in heter mitzarif liyisor. What does it mean, heter mitzarif liyisor? It means that, for instance, if you have, the case that it's going to bring here of the nazir is easy to understand, and then you can kind of generalize from that case to other cases. That basically, uh, let's say in nazir, it says mishrat anavim. Mishrat anavim. He's not allowed to eat mishrat anavim. What does mishrat anavim mean? It means that if he has grape juice or something or wine, and he takes a, his bread and he dips it into the wine, so the wine doesn't soak all the way through the bread, but the entire piece of bread is called Nishrat Anavim. So it's Heter Mitzarif Lisur. So let's say the amount of wine that it actually absorbed could be less than the amount of a, a Kazayit. But since the piece of bread is Kazayit, the whole thing becomes a component of the... So that's called Heter Mitzarif Lisur. So Rabbi Abahu says, Generally, we don't say that. That if part of something is Yisur, the whole thing becomes Yisur. We don't say that. But, so like if, so, and we'll give examples. I don't want to give examples because Gemara will do that for us. But if the, if the, but in, except in the case of the Nazir, is an exception to the case because the Torah actually says that if a person has Mishrat Anavim, that they actually dipped bread into wine, so the entire piece of bread becomes the, uh, you know, becomes the Isur. But that's not generally the case. Okay, so, and that's, and that's why it says, Shari Amrat Torah Mishrat, because there it says Mishrat. Uziri Amar Absor Baltaktiru. Ziri brings in the example of uh, a case where a person has a, where the Kohen has a, uh, a mincha, and he's not allowed to offer on the Mizbeach any chametz. And it says there, as she says, In other words, if you have, in, if he has in his hand, in the, the, the handful that he's going to put on the Mizbeach, half of a kazayit is is chametz, and half of a kazayit is matzah. Really, he's never supposed to offer any chametz onto the altar, and the, the violation is only committed when he offers a kazayit. But in that particular case, and it, it learned it before, and the Gemara yesterday brought uh, a source for that, but the point is that even though the quantity, if you were to separate just the quantity of chametz in that handful, it would not be a kazayit, but the entire kometz, the entire thing, is mitztaref. It joins together with the prohibited part to make the kazayit so Ziri says that also applies there. So even though technically you have less than the requisite measurement of chametz for the prohibition of offering chametz on the altar, the whole chametz becomes one thing and even the permitted parts uh, become prohibited. So these are two examples that are exceptions to the rule. Okay, now, keman. So, according to whom are, is this principle true? According to Rabbi Eliezer, that's, that learned from the word kol. Now, Rashi says le'el before he learned it. Because we saw that he learns from the case of the, uh, that's the case of the comets. In other words, because it said, uh, ki chol sa'or ve chol devash. 
Lo takdiru. So it's telling you that it, that the entire thing gets the status of chametz, even though there's less than a kazayit of chametz in that handful. That's where the pasuk. That's where the derivation comes from. Now, uh, that's true. So if that's true, so why don't we also say the same thing by pesach? Because we saw that he says that uh, that mixtures are prohibited on pesach as well. So, uh, so why don't we say the same thing? Rashi says the hamrina belav. Right, Rabbi Eliezer says that a mixture of chametz and other things is also prohibited. Min Torah. It's prohibited. And you would even get makot for eating the mixture that contains chametz in it, according to Rabbi Eliezer. Chachamim said no, but Rabbi Eliezer said yes. So why doesn't he also say that even if you have less than a kazayit of chametz in that, but there's other stuff that's mixed in, you mixed it into a soup or something like that, that the soup should combine with the chametz to make it to, to make up the kazayit. Why, why not? So, so it says, you know what? In achinami, you're right. The pachot mi kazait. That the whole the whole point here is Rashi says the chametz be pesach heter mitzarev lisur. You're right. That really on pesach heter mitzarev lisur. If you have a mixture, you have a little bit of chametz and it's mixed in in a salad. I don't know, whatever. I guess that wouldn't be a good example because maybe it's easy to take it out. But uh, it's mixed into something else, right? Soup. All right. So you're right. The the, the components of the soup. That are not chametz will combine together with the chametz to uh, to make the requisite measurement, right? Vahaydinakitzeor. So why the, did he? Why did the did Ziri mention specifically then the case of the offering of leaven on the mizbeach? That he did that as a targeted strike against Abaye. Not to say that there wasn't there aren't other examples, but specifically Abaye because Abaye says because according to so according to Abaye, Abaye went even further than that and said that there's no requisite measurement at all. When it comes to offering uh, chametz on the on the mizbeach, because you could have a tiny amount of chametz and an even tinier amount of uh, of of chametz in there, and it w- you would still be liable. That's why it says v'chayav v'haktavatzor koldu v'lo baitzor. You don't even have to combine anything. Okay, so th- therefore, in order to negate that concept of abaye, he mentioned that no, the reason why you could have less than a kazayit of chametz in your hand when you offer it on the mizbeach and be liable is because eter mitzorif isur, not because there's no requisite measurement. There is a requisite measurement. The measurement is kazait, but the components that are not chametz will combine together with the component that is chametz to make the whole thing be considered chametz. That was in order to make that point against Abaye, that you need the concept of uh, of uh, of or in order to justify holding the Kohen liable for offering that Kometz on the Mizrach because it, since there's less than a Kazayit you could argue that you wouldn't not because of what Abaye says that there's no measurement that also doesn't matter even a tiny amount you'd be liable no but there is a measurement it's just that the permitted parts and the prohibited combine together now Yativ Rav Dimi so Rav Dimi was sitting and telling this over Amalei Abaye said to Rav Dimi why are you saying that there's a limit on this concept of and it happens to be that Abaye doesn't need that concept for the case of the handful of the of the comets of the uh, of the uh, the flower offering fine he doesn't need it but he believes in it so he says why are you telling me that this idea of only applies in certain limited cases maybe the case of chametz maybe the case of nazir no other cases says we learned in a mishnah if you have a sort of a porridge or something made of truma and there is garlic in it and there's oil that is chulin that is non-truma 
Hagat Tvulyom B'Mikzatan and the, the and a Tvulyom somebody who is considered a Shenile Tumah second grade of Tumah touches any part of it so what will happen to the food? Pasalet Kulan he'll make the whole thing Pasul why? because the Ikar the main thing is the porridge obviously the main thing and that's Tumah so it's all going to become Pasul if on the other hand the um, the main thing the porridge itself is the Chulin so it cannot become Tameh from a Tvulyom because it can't go that low. Right, but the Shum and the, and, and the Shemin, they, but the spices and everything that you added in there, they are from Tumah and Tvulyom B'Mikzatan and Tvulyom touched part of this porridge. The only part that's going to become Tameh is the part that he touched. In other words, you could take that out and the rest will be okay. So the question is, So what's the reason why we make that, uh, that porridge Tameh at all? Really, we should say that the porridge, the 90% of it or whatever, is not even truma. 90% of it is chulin, right? Because it's only the spices that are truma. So why, we say they're batel, just say that they're nullified. And whatever he touched, it, it will not affect the, the, the porridge at all. So he said, And Rabbi Babachana answered, that the reason is that since a non-Kohen who would eat that porridge could get lashes for eating a kazayit, therefore a tevul yom, a person who is a sheni letumah, can make the whole thing tameh. What does it mean? So he says, So that's Abayez constructing a whole argument here. He's saying that what's the reason why the entire part, or part of the porridge even, will become tameh if a tevul yom touches it even though only a certain limited minority of a minority of ingredients are actually truma, the reason is because it said if a if a non kohen would eat a kazait, he would become he, he he would be liable for eating truma, right? But so what does that imply? What do you mean a kazait? A kazait only of the uh, of the of the garlic? A kazait only of the oil? No, it's saying that if he ate a kazait, even of the porridge, which is chulin, since it's attached. To the uh, garlic that is truma, since it's attached to the oil that's truma, that's why he's going to be uh, liable for eating truma, even though there's not a kazayit in there. So Abaye says, "What do you see from that? Even though I have a something that I have a quantity of a kazayit in my hand, I take a shot glass of the porridge. Okay, ninety percent of it is chulin. A tiny amount is truma. I could be liable because I ate a kazayit of the mixture. That's what Abaye is saying. That's called hetera mitzarif leisur. The permitted things they become part of the prohibited. They become they contribute. Now, obviously, if you were able to take a scoop out that had no truma at all, you'd be okay. But since you t- we're assuming you took out a, a scoop and a little bit of it is truma, so what do you have? You have two requirements. You have, in order in order to violate, you have to eat truma and you have to eat a kazayit. So basically, the idea of hetera mitzarif leisur is that. You can meet the requirement of kazayit even though most of what you're eating is not the actual prohibited item. You're eating a kazayit which contains truma. So the Abai says, you see from here that, 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 that you're liable. So it says, lo, that's not true. My kazayit, ika kazayit, achilat peras. That's not the reason. It's not because the porridge itself, that if you eat, really you're, you're liable for eating the, um, you're saying that you're actually liable for eating the porridge because actually that combines together with the g- garlic or whatever to make the whole thing truma. That's not true. It's that if you eat this porridge, if you were to eat kedeachilat pras, three, four, uh, a betzim worth of it, whatever it is, right? So then you would end up eating a, at least a kazayat of truma. So you're not liable actually for the eating of the porridge. That doesn't contribute to the kazayat. The point is it doesn't nullify the kazayat. So if I, I would have to actually consume 
a full kazayit of the truma to be liable. I couldn't say, oh, I take a shot glass, 90% of it is, is porridge that is chulin, a tiny bit is truma, I'm going to be liable because the total is kazayit. No. It's that if I eat a meal of this porridge, I will end up eating a kazayit of truma. That's the reason. Not because heter mitzvah The porridge doesn't become defined as truma. It's because if I eat the requisite amount of porridge, of kedeh pras, I will end up consuming a kazayit of truma. So th- that's the reason. But not because heter so then it says, He says, Are you saying that concept is a biblical concept? That if you have a, a, a substance that is a mixture and you eat a four bitsim of it, four eggs worth of it, and within that four eggs you will end up eating a kazite of the prohibited substance, it's as if you ate the prohibited substance itself. Is that what you're saying? That's a biblical concept? He said, Yes. So then Abaye tries to go for the jugular again. If that's true, okay, so then go back to our Mishnah. Our Mishnah said that Kutach this dip that has moldy, delicious, delicious sounding moldy bread mixed into it, okay? This is, uh, according to him, according to Rabbi Eliezer, Chayav for eating it, right? You're liable for eating it. And according to Chachamim, you're patur from eating it. You're not supposed to eat it, but you're, you're not liable. So the question is, but if you're saying that it has pras, that the only way Rabbi Eliezer would, uh, would hold you liable, it's not because of heter mitzaref lisor. It's because pras, because within the amount of the four eggs, you're going to end up consuming a kazayit of the bread. So then why would the rabbis argue with that? That's an agreed upon principle. But who's going if, to eat the whole dip? In other words, if you're saying that the machloket between Rabbi Eliezer and the Chachamim is whether the heter mitzaref leisur or not, whether the non-chametz parts of the dip take on the status of the chametz parts, so that if you ate a kazayit of the dip and it had a little bit of chametz, the whole thing combines together to be a kazayit and, and, and you'll end up being liable. If you say that's the machloket, okay, we understand. Okay. But if you're te- and, and Abayah is saying, okay, I understand. But if you're telling me that no, the reason is because within eating four betzim, you're going to eat a kazayit, so then everybody should agree on that. If that's, if that's really the, what, what the case that they're talking about, that you're liable, is not when you had 90% dip and uh, 10% uh, chametz. It's where you actually ate a full kazayit of chametz within the dip. Right? So then why are the chachamim arguing with Rabbi Eliezer? Right? What, what are they arguing about? You have to say that Rabbi, that Rabbi Eliezer maintains that the reason why is because even though there's less than a kazayit, if you ate four eggs worth of this dip, you would not end up consuming a kazayit. And yet he's going to say that since the kazayit can be created from a combination of the chametz bit in there and the and other stuff, then it's considered a kazayit of chametz. That's got to be it. So they said, but sof, sof. But if that's the case again, let's go back to the question that we had before. So if you're going to say that, so then why do the rabbis argue with it? Right? They should agree then that you're, that, that, uh, that uh, so right? In other words, the, the, the rabbis are asking back to Abayeh. You're going to say that the reason is because permitted and prohibited combined together to make the measurements. So according to Abayeh is not arguing that that's the machloket. He's claiming that everyone would agree that Heter Mitzvah Flisor. Okay, so then why do the rabbis disagree with, the, with Rabbi Eliezer according to you? Because you're not saying, he's not actually saying that's the subject of the machloket. He's saying that Rabbi Eli, that everyone would agree that Hatem Mitzrayflis were okay. We have an easy way out of it. 
We're going to just say that in Kutach Bavli there is not a kazait for every four bitzim of Kutach Bavli. There's not that much bread in it. That's why, that's why there's an argument between Rabbi Eliezer and Chachamim. Okay, so then if that's true... If the guy decides to narf it down and eat an, an enormous amount of dip, so that's, that guy is, uh, is a nutcase. That's not the normal way to eat dip, so that wouldn't count. And if he eats it normally, there won't be a kazayit. So the point is that the way that they're explaining it is, that the way they're answering it is that, that, uh, that we can explain it easily because we'll just say the only time you can really be liable for eating a mixture of chametz is when there is a kazait for every four bitzim and this is a case where it's not distributed densely enough to qualify for that for the person who eats it normally. If you ate you drank an entire thing of dip so then you're crazy so that we don't make the halacha based upon that. So it would be based upon the, uh, uh, the distribution uh, of, uh, that a normal person would consume and that would not be a kazayit b'kteachilat pras, and that's why we're going to say that you are uh, that the chachamim. That's a, the principle. That's the argument of the chachamim. Back to uh, uh, to uh, you know in that case. So it's an amount. No. The amount of time it takes to eat that, meaning the amount that you would eat and the time it takes to eat four eggs is called kedeachilat pas. It's time. If there's an argument about it, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, nine minutes, I don't know. Okay. You know, okay. yeah, that's all. That's always the you know, it's amount of time, but it's 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 based upon the uh, you know the amount of food. Yeah. So uh, so uh, so that's the thing. So, right, so Abai didn't get out, didn't really have an uh, answer for that. Right, so then it says, Edeway, the reason objection to that again. So he's still trying to say, his, his argument is still that that whole Kedechilat Pras thing is not, not a biblical thing. You can't say that we're going to define the mixture as prohibited based on that Kedechilat Pras, you're going to end up eating a Kazayit. He doesn't like that. So he says, You have two pots. One is Chulit and one is Trumah. In front of it, you have two things of spices that were ground up. One is Chulit and one is Trumah. So the spices fall into the pots, but we don't know which one fell into which. So We're going to just say that, you know what, probably the truma spices fell into the truma pot and probably the chulin spices fell into the chulin pot and everything is good. How can you do that? Right? How could you say, in other words, if you're going to say that if there is a kazayit of spices that are truma within a kadeachilat pras and I'm going to eat a kazayit, that's biblical. In other words, if you say that once it disappears into the mixture, basically it's only an isur to banana already, it's already, you know, it's already nullified in there, there's no way I can be liable for eating it anymore biblically because it's all like mixed into the soup or whatever. So then fine, we could say it's only rabbinic and therefore we can say the truma probably fell in the truma and the cholim probably fell in the cholim. But if you're telling me that even biblically speaking, if I eat uh, that soup and within the amount of time and within a few minutes, I'm actually going to consume a kazayit of, of, of truma. How could you be so lenient and say, we're just going to assume that the truma fell into the truma pot and the chulin fell into the chulin pot? How can you assume that according to Abaye? So they said to him, Abaye is asking, I mean, Amale, they said to him, or he, the truma of spices is only rabbinic. 
Okay, that's not really biblical because Truma is really on Daganti Rosh It's really only on oil and grain and wine. It's not, everything else is rabbinic in Truma. So it's only rabbinic, so therefore they were lenient in, the, in a rabbinic law and they said you could rely on Tolin, they call it. You can rely that it probably fell into the place it's supposed to go. So that's not a good argument. So then they said, another objection from You have two containers. One is Chulin, one is Truma. Right? So here we're not talking about spices. We're talking about grain. And we had two containers. One was supposed to be of Truma, one was supposed to be of Chulin. And if they fell in, right? So the, the, the uh, measures of grain fell in to the, to the uh, different containers. So we don't, scenario, but, it, it, but instead of yeah, spices, we're dealing with actual grain. So oh. you, you can't go back on the thing that it's only, it's only Tavlinim. It's only spices. You can't. Because it's not only spices. Ah, so what are you going to say? They use the same argument. So Abaye says, this is a decisive proof that you guys are wrong. Because if it's really true, that if I eat something within a Kedechilat within Prasa, a few minutes I'm going to eat a Kazayit of the Chuma, that means I'm liable biblically. So then how can you be so lenient and say, I'm just going to assume that the Chuma didn't fall into the Chulin? What do you mean? If it did fall into the Chulin, for sure when I eat from that grain, I'm going to end up eating a Kazayit of the Chuma within, a, uh, you know, within the requisite time period. So how could you go- be so lenient? How could you be so lenient? Before with the spices you got me, you said it's only rabbinic, but how are you going to do it here? It's a proof for me, says Abaye, that you see that once two things are mixed together, even though it's true that within a, uh, an Achilat Pras, within three minutes, five minutes, whatever of eating, I'm going to consume a because that's only rabbinic that I would be liable. Normally, you can only be liable when you have the substance itself, right? Or Abaye is saying if it's the substance combined with something else, but it has to be the substance itself. It can't be that you're liable for just for the kazait of prohibited substance on its, uh, you know, <clears throat> that is uh, diluted in the larger mixture, okay? So now we say, they said to him, no, again, Amalei. They went for the, they, they, they backed it up again. They said, you know what? All Truma today is really Durabanan. So we can just say that it's only rabbinic also. And you don't have a proof that uh, if you had a case of an actual biblical scenario where we had something fall into another thing and we were permissive, even though in a Kedah Hilat Pras you're going to consume a Kazai, you'd have a good point. But this is only rabbinic. All of Truma is only rabbinic today. So therefore, it's, it's super lenient about it. And that's why we're able to rely on leniency. So you can't prove anything, Abaye, and you still have to accept what we are saying. Now, okay. So now the question is like this. Ve'hai mishrat Is it really true that this idea of mishrat, this pasuk by Nazir, so in the end we leave it. In other words, Abaye is left with his idea that he thinks that their mitzvah should be a more generally applicable thing. It shouldn't be limited to the case of, uh, of uh, the Nazir. And if you have something, to, you have a kazayit which is partially made up of the kazayit of, uh, uh, partially made up of the prohibited substance together with another substance and they're discernible there, meaning it's not lost in there. It's discernible, but but it's combined with something else, like the, the wine that's, you know, the bread is dipped in the wine. You could see the part that has wine, the part doesn't have wine, but the whole thing combines to a kazayit. He's saying that would apply in every case, Abaye is saying. It should really apply in every case. According to the Chachamim, no, that's not true, but you have to actually eat a kazayit of the prohibited thing in every other situation, but it could be a kazayit that's distributed in a diluted form as long as it's not so diluted that you will have less than a kazayit in three to nine minutes of, of consumption. Right? That's, that's the idea. Um, Abaye agrees with that concept of kazayit b'chdei achilat pras. He just says it's rabbinic. He doesn't think it's biblical. 
Okay, so now the, um, the, the so now they say Vehai Mishrat Achuyudata. You're saying that pasuk of Mishrat is to teach you this idea of Hetermit Sarefli Sur that the pro- permitted things combined with the prohibited. We need it for a different pasuk because we learn we need it for a different teaching because the Chedetanya Mishrat Liten Tam Ki Ikar. There's a different concept here. Tam Kikar. Now, what's Tam Kikar? How is it different from Heter Mitzvah Yisur? Because Tam Kikar means that flavor alone, with no substance at all, is considered significant. Okay? Which means, And if you soaked... Uh, if you soaked grapes in water and the water then retains flavor of grapes, even though you took the grapes out completely, okay, chayav, you're going to be liable. Right? So, and from this, you can make a kalvachomer to all isurim in the Torah, as it's going about to say. But the point is that tam kikar is a different concept than heter mitzorif lisur, because heter mitzorif lisur is that you have the substance of the prohibition together with another substance, and you make up the measurement of kazayit, it would be like, for example, if you eat bread less than a kazayit, but you eat other things to make up for the kazayit or the kabetza or whatever, there's that, you know, for birkat amazon, right? So in certain cases, you can, can't, it's a whole thing. But the, the thing is, you, that, that's the same idea, right? You can combine things, but the substance is there. Here we're talking about there's no substance. You, you soaked the grapes, you took it out, you have flavor of the grapes, but you don't have anything else, no substance of grapes at all, that's called tam ki'ikar, right? Or if you had a pot that you cooked something in and then you clean it out and you cook something else and you have the flavor of what you cooked before in the food, so that's called tam ki'ikar, there's no substance, only flavor. So now it says, you can generalize this as all, in general. And Nazir's prohibition is not absolute. Why? Because he, uh, because he has a period of time that he's prohibited in, uh, in Nazirut. It's not forever. And he also doesn't have a prohibition of benefiting from wine. He only has a prohibition of drinking it. And he can also get out of it. If he goes to a uh, Bet Din, he can do Hatat Nedarim and get out of it. And yet they say that Tam Kikar in that case, even though it's more lenient because it's not a prohibition, it's, it's only Temporary, it's un, it's reversible, and it's not a prohibition of benefit. Ah, very lenient. So kilaim she saw so So when we look at kilaim mixed seeds, right? So the prohibition is is permanent. We saw and it's permitted. It's prohibited even in benefit. There's no way to reverse it. Once you planted those mixed seeds together, the product is going to be prohibited forever. So definitely tam kikar should also apply, right? So in other words, that's for sure. And the same thing is true about Ola with two things, that it's prohibited in benefit and it's permanently, uh, and, and it's not something that you can, uh, that you can uh, uh, reverse. Once something is Ola, it's Ola, that's it. There's no way you can get out of it if it's the first three years of the growth. Uh, he, Rashi says the reason they didn't say that Isur Olam is because the next year the fruit is okay. But obviously this, the original fruit that was Ola never becomes permitted. Right? Only that the next year will be okay. The point is that you see from this that we, that if the Nazir whose prohibition relative to other prohibitions is rather lenient because it's reversible, it's temporary, it's not, it's not restrict, a restriction on benefit, only on eating. And yet we see that flavor is counted the same as substance. So the same for everything else in the Torah. So why are you taking Heter Mitzorif Lisur? Forget Heter Mitzorif Lisur. That's a different thing. Heter Mitzorif Lisur means if I have a piece of bread and I dipped it, in wine, if I'm a Nazir, okay? I dipped it in wine. Okay, or it could be, you know, it could, I guess you, if you want to use, you could, I dipped it in pork juice, so I don't have to be a Nazir for that, right? And now, there's no pork juice on the other side of the bread, but Heter Mitzarif Lisur says that I could eat the whole thing, and if the whole thing amounts to a Kazayit, I could be liable, even though the amount of pork on there was less than a Kazayit. That's the idea of Heter Mitzarif Lisur. 
Tam ki'ikar means that the flavor alone is significant. Without any substance is significant. Okay? If the bread absorbed the flavor of the bacon, that tam, even if there's no substance at all visible on it, it absorbed the flavor from it. That's enough to be called the prohibited substance. That's different than saying means that one part of the bread has no taste or anything at all of the pro- prohibited substance. It's just attached to it. And yet we're going to count it towards the kazait. As opposed to tam kikar, which means, no, it did absorb something from the prohibited thing. The whole thing absorbed something. It did only absorbed flavor, no substance. Okay, no, well, we should say, to be scientifically accurate, no visible substance, because obviously we know now that the reason for flavor is because there's microscopic uh, substance. Okay, but that's microscopic. So I knew that you were thinking that, because you're too scientific. You know, so that's why I mentioned it, you know. So same with smell. We say, really, reach is a substance, but it's not not visible. Okay, so now, Hamani, who is the author of this? Rabbanani. That, this is the rabbis. The rabbis ha- follow the principle of Tamkikar, Rabbi Yochanan, Damak Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Yochanan, who said his idea of Heter Mitzrayf Lisur, was following Rabbi Akiva. So Rabbi Akiva is the one who learns from the law of Nazir of Heter Mitzrayf Lisur, that even though half of that piece of bread has absolutely no connection to the prohibited substance at all, since it's absorbed on the other half of the bread, the whole thing becomes one. Uh, entity. That's Rabbi Akiva. The Chachamim don't have that idea. They instead say that no, that, uh, that, that's teaching you the principle of Tam Kikar. And then the question is, hi Rabbi Akiva, where does he see this in Rabbi Akiva? If you're going to say it's the Rabbi Akiva of the Mishnah, it says in the Mishnah, Rabbi Akiva, there you're going to tell me that it's because Rabbi Akiva said in the Mishnah that if a Nazir dips his bread in wine, and it has enough bread to make a kazai that is liable. How do you know from that Mishnah that Rabbi Akiva meant that even the unaffected parts of the bread count? Maybe that's not what he meant. Maybe he just meant if there's a kazai, it's worth of wine. And the chidush is that even though he's eating it in the bread, he's still liable. Maybe he'll say, why do I have to mention the case of the wine when it's enough because there's a kazai worth of wine? Right? It's a teacher that even though it's mixed in with the bread, you're still liable since there is a requisite amount of wine. But maybe he doesn't hold that term. In the bright, Rabbi Akiva is clearer. Even though the kazai that he ate was a combination of the wine and the bread, it equals a kazait and he ends up being liable for that. And again, that's different than Tam Kikar because the half of the bread that he's eating that's counting towards the kazait has no flavor or influence from the wine at all. And yet he's still liable. For Rabbi Akiva, Tam Kikar Minale. What about, does Rabbi Akiva not hold by the laws of Kashrut? He doesn't hold that there's an idea Tam Kikar? So where does he get it from? He doesn't get it from Nazir because he gets Heter Mitzraf Lisur from Nazir. Where does he get the idea of Tam Kikar that flavor counts? So Yalif Mi He learns it from the case of, of milk and meat where we see that l- flavor has an impact. Right? Lav Tama Be'almahu. Just like there, flavor alone creates the prohibition. In other words, if you cook meat in the milk, even though you take the meat out and you don't see any milk, it's just that the milk absorbed into the, the flavor of the milk made its way into the meat, even if you squeeze out the meat. So that there's, you don't have any discernible substance, it's still prohibited. So too, same with everything else. But the, so, so it says, Hachanami Loshna, this will be the same thing everywhere else. So for Rabbanan, Mi Basab Chalav Lo Gamrina, the rabbi said you can't learn the idea of Tam Ki Ikar, that flavor is significant from Basab Chalav. Why not? 
Because it's a novelty. The whole concept of Basar B'chalav is a weird concept. Why? Because Umay Chidush, what's the, what's the novelty? One, possi- one possibility that everyone thinks of is that meat by itself is 100% kosher. Milk by itself, 100% kosher. You combine it together, it becomes forbidden. The strictest uh, prohibition, Asur B'hana'ah. Right, but the, but the point is that it's a, it's a, it's a chidush. They have two things that by themselves, they're fine and combined, become prohibited. It says, but that's not the only case like that because you have kilayim nami. You also have mixed seeds where the seeds by themselves are permitted and combined. So it's not that big of a chidush. So what's the chidush? This is like what you said. In other words, the chidush of Basar B'chalav is it only works by bishul. Right? That's what you're saying. In other words, it's not the flavor. Because you could actually soak the meat in milk for all day long. It absorbs flavor for sure from that. And it won't be a sur min torah unless you cook it together. So that shows you. Min torah you could. According to the Torah, you could have a, a bologna and cheese sandwich. It's, it's only because it's not cooked together. Right? So, it's, so you see the flavor isn't the main thing the rabbis are saying. The chidush... It, do, it doesn't follow normal rules. It doesn't follow normal logic because a flavor alone doesn't make the prohibition. Only the act of bishul makes the prohibition. So that you can't compare to that. Rabbi Akiva must, must realize that it's not so easy to generalize from Basar B'chalav. It's such a unique situation. He learned it from Klei Midian, basically. When they went to Milchemet Midian and they took back all the pots and pans and everything from Midian. And, right, and, and, and then Lazar Kohen tells them, you have, to, uh, you have to do Hagalah, you have to boil it, you have to, you have to heat it up to cleanse the Giulei uh, Nochrim, what it's called. In other words, you have to get the non-kosher flavor out of the pot. So obviously you see the, the flavor was significant because when they came back with all those things, they were told that they had to kosher them. So why do you have to do Echsher Kelim? It's all based on flavor. That's what. It, that's the whole concept. The flavor that absorbs, right? Don't you see that when it comes to these pots and pans of the midyanim, the issue is one of flavor alone, the asur, and yet they weren't allowed to use those pots and pans until they did hagalah or they did uh, whatever they needed to do, right? So hachanami lashna. So same thing in all other cases. You see that tam is significant. So Rabbi Akiva says heter mitzarefli isur. I learned it from the nazir. And Tam Ki Ikar, I learn it from the case of Midian. So I have two concepts. One is that a substance that is half prohibited and half permitted, the permitted half can actually count towards the kazait of the prohibited half. And, and I also have the idea that Tam on its own is considered a prohibited substance. Okay? Two different things. Virabanan. What are the rabbis? The rabbis will say, we don't want to, le- we want to learn Tam Ki Ikar from the Nazir. We, we, we dispute the idea of Heter Mitzarif Lisur. And we are talking only about Tam Kikar, and we learned it from the Nazir Tam Kikar that flavor counts. At, they say Mishrat Anavim means that you soaked like you soaked the um, the grapes in water or something like that, right? Mishrat Anavim is not talking about the bread, right? In other words, according to the Chachamim, they say no. It's Tam Kikar is what you learn from the case of the uh, what you learn from the case of the Nazir, not Tetem Mitzarif Lisur. Where do they learn? Uh, so, so, they, so why don't they learn it from the pots and pans of Midian? It's also a chidush. They are called noten tam lefkam mutar. They govern in because generally we have a principle noten tam lefkam. We learned about this a lot in, in Masachet Cholin that once flavor becomes spoiled, it's not significant anymore. And we learn it from nevelah because it says nevelah has to be something that you give it to a non-Jew. It says you give nevelah lager or lenochri, right? Right? Lager shachar right? Right? Either one. 
right? You give it either to the Geros, you give it to the you give it to the non-Jew, the, the, the nevela. What does that show you? Nevela is only nevela if it's edible to a human, right? So therefore we learn from that, that flavor that's no longer desirable, no longer edible to a human, no longer considered a good taste. So it's, it, it's, not, uh, it, it doesn't, it's not a source of prohibition either. So therefore, we learn the idea of tam gam, and generally we say that, that after 24 hours is tam gam, right? We always say if a pot was left 24 hours from the last time you used it, and then by accident you used it with the other thing, so whatever flavor it, observe, it absorbed is already what's called lifgam, it's already ruined, it's already spoiled flavor, and it's not a problem. So they said the fact is that really whatever these pots and pans from Midian absorbed is already spoiled. They didn't really need to cleanse it. So that was a once, uh, that was a special situation that they were told to cleanse it, but you can't generalize from that because in general we learn from Nevela, from the case of giving the carcass of the animal to the Gentile, that, it, that non-kosher items are only considered to be prohibited when they have some, some good flavor. And yet, you see that they weren't allowed to use those pots and pans, even though they had spoiled flavor absorbed. They had to cleanse them. That shows you it's a unique situation. Rabbi Akiva said, no. Since he holds like what Rav Chiyabaravuna said, which is that the Torah only prohibited pots that are that were used the same day. Meaning, when did they have to cleanse the pots of Midian? The ones that had been used that day. That they knew they, been, they saw. There was leftovers in there, whatever. They knew they had been used that day. That's when it's prohibited because it's not Tam Levgam. It's Tam Go. It's good Tam. It's tasty Tam. It was just absorbed uh, five minutes ago. Right? So that's the... Um, so that's the thing. He'll say it's not Tam Levgam over there. So I'm okay. I could say that I learned the idea of Tam Kikar from the case of Giulei Midian because the, it, we're talking about pots that just absorbed the flavor that day. So it's not spoiled flavor. Right? So you don't tell me it's only that, that it's a chidush because they had to cleanse the spoiled flavor. They didn't have to cleanse spoiled flavor. Spoiled flavor, they didn't have to cleanse. So the rabbis answered and said, no. Even once flavor gets absorbed in a pot, it's not going to be as good as it was before. It's a little bit lifgam. It's a little bit ruined. And yet the fact that the Torah required them to cleanse it, and we know that it's really dirabanan after 24 hours also, but even within the 24 hours, the rabbis are saying it's a chidush. Even within the 24 hours, because once flavor gets absorbed, nobody would say, I'd like to add spices to my food. What I'll do is I'll cook them up in a pot, clean it out, and then cook the food in there. Nobody's going to say that because you know that once it absorbs into the sides of the pot, even though there might still be some flavor, it's not going to be as good. So the rabbis are saying the fact that they had to clean out even on the same day something it isn't a good proof for tam ki'ikar. It's obviously something else going on there because even that flavor is a little bit muted, is a little bit ruined from having been absorbed into the pot. You can't consider that the same as regular flavor. So therefore the rabbis say, we don't, uh, we don't learn tam ki'ikar from the case of Midian because that's not a good case of tam ki'ikar because that's tam, that's flavor that was absorbed into a pot and then transmitted into something else, which by its nature is always somewhat muted and somewhat downgraded. It's not a real good case of tam ki'ikar. That's a chidush, it's a novel that we have to cleanse that time. It's not really good time. Really, we shouldn't have to care about it. And so we don't learn from there. We learn from the case of a Nazir that flavor is the same as substance. And Rabbi Akiva says, no, I learned from the Nazir that 
which means that even though something which is totally permitted and has no influence from the prohibited item is attached to it, can combine to uh, become the kazait. And I learned from the case of Midian, since they only really had to cleanse the pots that have been used that same day, I learned from there, Tam Ki'ikar is uh, prohibited, and that's the machloket then between Rabbi Akiva and the Chachamim, whether Heter Mitzarif Lisur, whether they're going to accept that idea of Heter Mitzarif Lisur or not, that Rabbi Yochanan was saying that idea, but he was really saying it only in accordance with the teaching of Rabbi Akiva. Okay.